Welcome to Books Where Two Guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. We are back, as promised, with an interlude episode, which really means that we're going to hear about stories from Rob's childhood for 40 minutes or so until we call this a night. Thanks for bringing the energy, because I, I like after... <laughs> Like I did my intro and then I was, and then I heard you and I was like, oh yeah, energy. We have to have that when we're on the podcast. So thanks for bringing it up a little. I've, I've, I was very low key on, on the, on the get go there. People must be wondering if we're saying this is us bringing the energy, like in real life, just how low key we are consistently. <laughs> oh man. Fucking, you have to check me for a pulse. Yeah, pretty much. So Rob, what's new with you? <laughs> I mean that could go in so many directions. Um, right. Do you want to talk about the uh, uh, the power outage? Well, we should probably address that because yeah. we had like a whole episode planned out, like an interlude and detailed or whatever. Now it's also outdated because we couldn't do it at its you know yeah like planned time. So we had to ad lib this one. So we're recording this on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of November. Um, we were originally going to do this on the twenty sixth of November, which is a Monday. But uh, if you're not from the Midwest, you may not know that we uh, we had a little bit of weather, um, specifically in northern Illinois. That uh, what what did you get? What was the snowfall in your area, Rob? Oh my God, I feel so stupid. I have no idea. Uh, I so think it was supposed it, to be like six to 12 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Around, around your area. I know that people are kind of reporting like 11 inches of snow, oh. but that wasn't even the, the worst part is that it came down as like nasty, heavy slush yeah. first. Yep. And then it got covered by snow. So, I mean, it just caused um, lots of trees, you know, falling over and branches breaking and apparently um, an outage for Rob. Massive power outage. Um, I think in overall it was like 344,000 people were affected or something like that. Um, and yeah, so Sunday night around 11, uh, 11, 1130, something like that. It was right around the time that I was like, there was maybe 10 minutes left in the final matrix movie that I was watching. Uh, <laughs> Jesus power went out. I was watching the matrix. I rewatched the matrix movies recently. Um, and yeah, power went out. Uh, and I've had a couple of like two, three, four minute little scares since I've moved to the apartment that I'm sitting in now, but I've never had like a legit shits out for a while kind of thing. Um, but it didn't come back on until nine o'clock last night. So almost, almost 24 hours um, with no power. Thankfully, in my apartment, uh, the heat is gas heat. So I still had heat. I still had water. I was just very much in the dark because, like, I don't own candles or, I don't know, non-electrical lighting, like like battery-powered anything or flashlights. So it was just, like, straight up my, my, my phone screen, my iPad screen, otherwise total darkness. That's rough. I mean, I, I've been through that, but um, it, it becomes harder and harder, right? So in a fully electronic yeah. world... Like, what do you do? I mean, I know what you do. You sit in your car and charge your <laughs> iPad and your and your iPhone. Um, but yeah, it's got to be tough. Like, there's there's not a whole lot to do if you don't have if you don't have power. I know you have a lot of paper books, but without light, that doesn't uh, that doesn't yeah. help a whole lot. Not doing a lot, yeah. So uh, uh, that that was my last. And you don't think about so like not having power. Sounds like a very minor inconvenience if you know it's going to be like a day or whatever. 
Um, but like, I, I feel like just like the adjustment to not having power was, I don't know, not stressful, but like it seemed more of a burden than it really should have been. And it's just been very disruptive to the last, like basically it took, took me down for two days. Uh, cause like when you don't have power, really all you're doing is like trying to figure out life without power. Um, <laughs> well, some of us, you know, just go to work. But well, I, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Power then, was out at work. Uh, so then they tell you to go home. You're like, well, I don't want to go home. There's no power there. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go that's sit in the dark. So, yeah. So we're uh, we're a little later than we wanted to be on this. But that's okay because, you know, we don't really have a whole lot planned. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play it by ear. Rob, you did, though. You did make a large purchase this past week, I believe. Uh, yeah. So uh, I bought a car. And, uh, it's one of those things where I've been doing like car research for months because the car I had was the glamorous, beautiful car that I gave up to have this new car It is a 2009 Toyota Yaris hatchback. Um, how many miles were on that? Just, it was just tipping over the 136,000 mile mark. It really isn't that bad, I guess. 2009, so you're talking about nine years to, you know, yeah, 15,000. Yeah. yeah, I did some heavy driving in the first, like, four years that I owned it. Um, that was, like, when I was living in Vermont and stuff, so it was lots of trips to and from Illinois to Vermont and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, did, I just didn't want to do another winter in that fucking car, man. I was done with that car. So I was like, you know what? I know a car, and I, and I was looking around. And I found uh, a dealer that was like two minutes from my work. And one day after work, I was like, I'm just going to go get this car. And I went and I bought a 2017 Chrysler 300C. That has to be a significant change in driving from the Yaris. Oh, man. It's like, oh, God, it's like getting out of like a rowboat and then getting right into someone's yacht. It's it's yeah. night, night and day different. Like there's tons of amenities, and it actually has like an engine with like power, and um, yeah, it's it's a very comfortable ride. The biggest thing, honestly, the biggest thing for me is like I bought that car in 2009, and it's a pretty stripped down model. So there is nothing in the in the electronics, you know. Like I had to plug in the little aux cable in order to listen to like my phone. Mm-hmm. You you didn't have power windows, right? Am I remembering this correctly? No, there are power windows on that car. Yeah. Okay, there were. Okay. Um, that was the only... And <laughs> that was... It actually had the auto down for the driver's side window only. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like... That was like the best feature of that Toyota Yaris was that you could do that one touch down on the, on the driver's window. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that car thing like um a car thing do you have that phone thing for the car like where you're you're like uh your radio carplay right is that what it is for apple yes yes yeah. that is that a CarPlay? feature yeah is that cool it's great um it's actually one of the reasons i actually i probably would have just kept using that dumbass car forever and like buying new tires every few years and just dealing with the winter if it weren't for the fact that i had to use rental cars when i was in california last year um Rental cars totally spoiled me for for vehicles because I realized, oh, if I wasn't living in the fucking Stone Age, I could do <laughs> stuff like CarPlay. Because um, when, yeah. when you go to a dealer or to a car rental place, they don't give you a 2009 Yaris. 
Yeah, much to my surprise, it wasn't just like, hey, what car do you currently drive? And then they give you the same thing. <laughs> Can you imagine that rental service? Oh, my God. Well, that's what I'll be like a <laughs> sketchy one. You'll be like, oh, I'm using this great new <laughs> rental service, like super cheap. Like, oh, what kind of car are you getting? Like, yeah, I don't know. They just give you one when you get there. And then they're like, uh, here's this uh, 1993 uh, Honda Civic. It's got 300,000 miles on it. You're not going far, are you? And uh, if it gets really hot, just roll up the windows or really cold roll up, whatever it would be. Yeah, where you right. like the car doesn't work. Yeah. Like, like the kind of things you have to tell someone when they borrow your car. Like, listen, when you're coming up to a stop sign, you want to stop like probably about 50% earlier than you would with your car because the brakes are a little weird. And sometimes yep. that pedal goes all the way to the floor. They give you like a little tutorial on how to drive the car well it's a very pretty car i've seen pictures of it i mean i'm familiar with it i i still it's one of my favorite like front ends on a car like on a sedan yeah it's it's um, handsome yeah the 300 has been doing that since they released that thing back in it's probably like the late 90s when did the 300 come out uh I, i'm not gonna I, I don't know exactly but i think that the body type that they have now mm-hmm. um it's from like 2004 or so there's 2005 is when it came 2004 is production yeah there was an earlier 300 that was like it was more like a dodge intrepid do you know what i'm talking about like Mm -hmm. it had that kind of like yep like more pointy front end and stuff but the the style they're doing now yeah is around that time um by the way wikipedia if everybody just gave wikipedia three dollars if everybody who is reading this article on the chrysler (laughs) 300 just gave three (laughs) dollars Oh, Wikipedia. Oh, what did we do? The annual begging campaign has begun. <laughs> Have you ever given money to Wikipedia? No. No, me neither. No, I've definitely given them some site views, though. <laughs> yeah, I have to research for this podcast, including yeah. what year the 300 came out. So, yeah, so that's my new whip. Yeah, that's nice. It's very pretty. Um, drive it in good health. I got to say, uh, remote start. I've never, I was never like, I was always on the fence. I didn't really care one way or the other. I I will not get into my car unless it started before I got to it. Like I'm very pro remote start now. I, um, I had a remote start in my Camaro, the Camaro had a remote start and I didn't love it enough that when it stopped working, like I wasn't interested in fixing it. How was that not a manual transmission? That wasn't a manual transmission. No, uh, nope, nope. Automatic. Yeah. No, I don't drive manual. I uh, I never learned how to drive manual. What? And then when I was hold on, when I was in my <laughs> early twenties, same my yeah, I guess it would have been my early twenties. I got a job selling cars. Um, I, I was unemployed. I was looking around. There was this thing where you go and like you take this class, and the people are best of the class get a get a guaranteed job selling cars. So I go do this thing, and out of a, a class of like fourteen people, me and one other guy get hired. And uh, this lasted about six weeks. Um, I was fired from that job, <laughs> um, which wasn't like <clears throat> I outsold a bunch of like the salespeople in that six weeks I was there. But I think that was the problem was the car dealership had seen a huge increase in sales. So they hired, you know, two more people. But then the next month, sales went down to like uh, below where they were before. So like people were complaining. Any rate, me and the other guy both got shit canned over like like dumb things. You know what I mean? Things that you wouldn't think would happen. But anyway, <clears throat> I sell a car to a kid, and it was it was a Mitsubishi dealership. So I sell him an Eclipse. 
Nice. But he really wants one in manual and in a very specific color and whatever. So they do this thing called dealer trades, right? Where we look for a dealership that has the right. car they want. We ask them to pick one of the cars from our inventory and then we swap cars. Um, the problem was the the one we found was all the way in Michigan, like close to Detroit. And as the salesperson, I was the one that had to go swap cars. Uh. So I had to drive a stick both ways i had like two days notice that i had to do this so i, I got a friend of mine who, who was uh who drove stick and um we we went and i got a crash course in driving stick now what i will tell you publicly i will apologize to that kid we sold the car to because i'm pretty sure he had to have that clutch replaced within months of getting the car and then whoever uh, in michigan if you bought a car like circa 1992 93 or whatever it was and and the, like the 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 stick shift gave out right away that's probably because of my driving so all right so now uh, now we have to talk about how i learned how to drive stick mhm um i learned how to drive stick on a you're going to recognize the name of this car do you remember a chrysler laser yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, so I learned how to drive stick on a on a Chrysler Laser. Uh I want to say it was probably like an 85 or, or or thereabouts uh was the year of the car. 85 86 something like that. Uh it was a turbo. Mm-hmm. It was a 5-speed manual transmission and um that's the car and the and like basically I I had to learn because I had to get to school for class. Mm-hmm. And the only car available to drive was that car. And so either it was like, drive it or don't get to class. And so <laughs> that was, I'm, I'm sharing a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To I'm, you, Olivia, so. Yeah. I, I looked it up and that's, uh, yeah, that was like the, the Dodge Daytona. This car essentially was sporty as fuck though. Like it had some power behind it. I think it had like, yeah. for the time, I think 200 horsepower was pretty heavy, heavy duty. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I, and, and it was one of those, like, I was like killing the, 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 I was like killing the car, like mid intersection and just like destroying everybody's lives around me. But I eventually got to class. Um, yeah, that was, so this, this was like the folks at, at Dodge slash Chrysler, right? Cause they, the, the Dodge Daytona and the Chrysler laser were essentially the same, yeah, yeah. the same car. It's like they were like, what are the two coolest sports cars out there right now? And someone was like, oh, oh the Mustang. And someone was yeah. like, yeah, the Mustang. And what else? They were like, the Fiero is really nice from Pontiac. <laughs> and they were like, we're going to make a fucking car that looks like a like a hybrid, like a, a, a really Mustang good, yeah. and a Fiero. And that's that's what you you ended up with. Um, but that yeah, was, no, that, that was a rocking car in, in, in its day, man. That, that was that was. That was my mom's car, and it was, like, a weird choice because, like, she bought it when we were definitely still in, like, middle school. So she didn't go the minivan route that, like, the average no, no. mom would do. She's like, I'm going to get a fucking coupe, like a two-door, like, turbo. <laughs> Dude, she was driving that car and never told anybody <laughs> she had kids. That's the thing. You're like, Mom, and she's like, who are you talking to? Yeah, <laughs> you know, she wasn't. She was rocking that car. Just pretending like she didn't have kids at all. She yeah, was just trying exactly. to be cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that was, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I applaud her choice. Um, yeah. I uh, I always wanted a Fiero. I still want a Fiero. 
Dude, what um, if they brought back the Fiero? That would be the weirdest. You know, but they'd bring it back and it wouldn't look anything like yeah. it's like when they, when they brought back like the Camaro. It doesn't look anything like a Camaro. It, it looks yeah, they cool. look really cool. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying yeah. that they just it was kind of they brought it back in name only. And yeah. I still once in a while you'll see one of those Fieros on the road. And I'm just like, oof, that car's so goddamn pretty. Yeah. So, yeah. The Fiero. One day if I have a ton of expendable money. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up a Fiero. Just for like a little weekend cruiser kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. do it. You should do it when uh, when the when the Patreon money hits a certain amount. Um, oh, let's do a Fiero level. <laughs> Hold on. All right, I'm coming up because I'm looking for used Fiero in your area. <laughs> Auto.com. Let's see what the what they would take to. Buy. Oh, we're sorry, we couldn't find what you're looking for. Well, All right, I'm on oh, Auto Trader. Yeah. And you make what was that? Pontiac? Pontiac. Pontiac Fiero. That's that's difficult because they don't exist anymore. Oh, Fiero. Here we go. Here we go. I've got all right, I've got one too. Des Moines, Iowa. Four grand or seventy five dollars a month. Whoa. Used nineteen eighty seven Pontiac Fiero GT with nineteen thousand miles on it for six hundred thousand dollars. What? Yeah, well that would be that mileage. The next one down is five thousand. <laughs> well that's yeah. I'm I'm looking at one that's uh 96,000 miles in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Looks pretty, but yeah, five grand. Oh, this definitely has an interior that's got like um, like animal, f- like faux fur uh, seat covers. So that's probably a good good amount of that price. That's uh, that's even sexier. I think the fact that 17,000 original miles is probably the 600,000. Let's make them an offer right now of $8,000. I guarantee you they take it. It doesn't look like a six hundred thousand dollar car. I'm looking at some photos. <laughs> it looks like a like a six thousand dollar car. If you're being su- like, if it's like a friend and you just want to, you know, be generous mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Yeah. Any rate, yeah, I'd love to have one of those. So pretty. But uh, anyway, you're three hundred, man. I can't wait. Is that is that what we're taking to StokerCon? That is what we are taking to StokerCon. I guarantee Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Heated rear seats, which is going to be great in May. Heated rear seats. Yeah. I don't even know if I knew that was a thing. Heated, so heated and ventilated front seats, heated rear seats, uh, and it's got the vents for the back too. Like this thing is, mm-hmm. it's got a panoramic sunroof. It's got a rear sunshade. I tell you, there's like a power sunshade for the back window. No, that's crazy, dude. So on the way to StokerCon, if you're like, ooh, it's a little, it's get a little too much sun back here. You press <laughs> a button, v- rear sunshade pops up. That is uh, that is impressive. Well, I, I hope that uh, you drive it in good health. Hopefully so, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Nine nine years out of this motherfucker, like oh that last God. car, right? Yeah. See, that's what I'm thinking. Like, do I now turn into like an every three or four year car guy, or do I stick to the pattern of keeping a car until I hate it? I uh, I'm I'm of that second ilk. Well, cars are like expensive enough that I'm like, I like I've known guys who have just had a car payment like like for their entire life because right. they every three or four years they're rolling and then they're upside down in their car. So like the next car, the payment just goes higher and higher until they're at a point where they're like, I bought a brand new car for eighteen thousand dollars and my payments like seven seventy five a month for like seven years. Uh, yeah, that's I terrible. Keep, yeah. Yeah. So. I would say um, at least until you pay it off, like don't do that thing where you wind up. Yeah, you know, like three cars from now, you're still kind of paying a little bit on this one. So, like the new dealer is paying off the rest of what you owe on the on the old dealer. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't do yeah. that. I threw down. 
I threw down some cash on this one, so yeah. hopefully that'll help out. Well, when um, you get that big podcast money, you can afford to do that. Yeah. This has been driven. Drove? <laughs> Is this how we say used to now? It's previously driven? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm saying that the podcast booked, driven. I don't know. Oh, dr- drove. Oh, drived. 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 I like drived. Yeah, um, you know. and I talking about cars, um, as people could hear from the last, you know, <laughs> six or seven minutes, would probably be the worst fucking podcast ever. Holy shit! Yeah. So, well, not I know I know what the worst podcast ever is. So never mind. It would be well, the second worst podcast oh, ever. Nice. Hey, but I, I will say one thing: like the un like the unintended consequence of having a Chrysler 300 is that like it's the kind of car that some like car enthusiasts have. It's it's a car that you can like um modify and and blah blah blah. So like I've posted exactly two photos of my car on social media. I posted uh, uh on Instagram and they're getting lots of likes from people who I'm like, "Ooh, I would never associate with this person because there's some weird like their whole Instagram is focused around like like you know doing like burnouts and parking lots and shit like that and i'm like (laughs) so by buying a chrysler 300 what i didn't realize is that like just by having a car and posting a picture of it now i'm one of those people your burnout and parking lot cred has shot through the roof (laughs) i didn't expect that i don't know how to feel about that because now i'm like do i have to do a burnout in a parking lot i would probably crash the car i uh god i can't believe that's still a thing like I grew up with guys like that. You I'm know, not, like su- when I'm I was not surprised teenager. by that at all. I was not that guy. Like I was never about like how fast a car was. I just wanted a car to like look nice. Like that was my thing. I wasn't into like engine sizes or, or, or anything right, like right. that. Yeah, I just wanted a car that looked good. And that, you know, that was like fun to drive. Um but yeah, no, I had friends that spent their weekends with their head under the hood or, you know, and then talking about, you know, getting Glass pack mufflers. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Glass yes. Pack. Yeah. I'm aware yeah. of that term. Shit like that, you know, and I was, you know. So, for example, uh, on my Instagram, I posted a picture of a beer. It's got eight likes. Posted that first picture of my car, 46 likes. And it's just like, you know, people I know, but then it's just random car people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Instagram's weird. I wonder how much of that, and this is no comment on your car picture. It's a beautiful picture. I just, I wonder how many of those people are just trying to get like, like follows, follow backs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like they look up a, a tag, and I've noticed that, you know, whenever I'm somewhere, you know, on vacation or whatever, and I post something on Instagram, like immediately I get, you know, f- likes from people who are like very similar photos of like the same area and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. So, one of the likes. Is from Hyundai Azera e Amigos, and it's definitely uh, in Spanish, and it's just pictures of a Hyundai Azera. Oh, yeah, I guess there's some Chrysler 300s in there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I might end up. Don't be surprised if, like, <laughs> six months from now, you're like Rob has stopped buying beer altogether, and now he's spending. He just bought new tires. He bought new tires that he didn't need. Like, that's going to be the thing. You're like, Rob, we need to stop. 
I, he's he's every weekend he's in the parking lot at Dog and Sons with the hood up on his car. <laughs> oh, the Culvers. With a bunch of other people. It's gonna be the Culvers in Lake Zurich. Yep. yep. Um, here, like, and one you'll know, you'll know. I was talking to a guy once, and I was like, "This guy is just fucking off of his rocker." Uh, I was talking to him once, and and he said that he was gonna spend three hundred dollars to replace the door handles on oh. his car because the car, the same car that was a year newer had a feature with the door handles that his door handles didn't have. And it was like a light or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck is your problem? That's going to be me six months from now. I I remember watching, it was probably like MTV or something. It was one of those times you're just flipping channels. And it was the, these guys that, that customized their cars. And it was like the little like, like Japanese cars, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the lights under them and shit. And the guy's like, yeah. It's like I've got like it was something ridiculous, like 170,000 into this car or whatever. And they're interviewing him <laughs> in, his, in his apartment. And the apartment is a complete fucking yeah, shithole. Exactly. Like there's kids running around screaming and everything's a disaster. Like paint's peeling off the walls. But he's talking about how he spent, you know, as much as some people spend on their fucking houses on this car. And he was just like so proud of it. So, well, yeah, totally you. That thought hasn't been lost on me because like if like if you looked at my apartment versus my car. Yeah. yeah well so anyway. yeah we'll uh we'll check back in six months on rob and the 300 and see uh see where it's at good god i'm like i need to replace this engine i gotta get the hemi that's when you gotta just th- like hit me over the head with something pray that i get some sort of weird amnesia yeah Jesus. What right. else? What else you got? Let's get off the in cars. other news yeah, in other news <laughs> um do you see this article about wyoming uh, I definitely have not seen this article about Wyoming. Wyoming has legalized bare knuckle fighting. That sounds fucking great. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this. Oh, the shit. reason I bring it up is not that it's newsworthy, but does this remind you of any books we may have read or? Yeah, Donnybrook. Yeah, Donnybrook. Um, yeah, they've they've they're looking to cash in. <laughs> Fucking Wyoming. Like, how can we bring more money into the state? And they're like, legalize marijuana. And they're like, no. Um, that maybe try to get Amazon to open their headquarters here. No, no. How about bare knuckle fighting? And they're like, that's the one. <laughs> you that's know where the real money do. is? People punching each other to death. Oh, my God, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I... Like, I get it, right? Like, it's competitive and, and it's very natural to, you know, if you're going to fight, you're going to fight bare, bare-fisted. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of mixed feelings about this uh, online. I know you were, you sounded really ridiculously excited. Oh, my God, that's great. If people um, punching each other to death, bring it on. I am, uh, I'm torn. Like, if that's what people want to do, I don't think that we should keep them from doing it. Uh, you know, but I kind of, uh so I'm on I'm on the Casper Star Tribune website right now. Uh, in this article, is I'm that scrolling. a Wyoming local? I, I believe so. Right. Uh, I'm going to um, I'm going to send you an image uh, just so you can see. Uh, so it's it's just people who have been punched in the face. Essentially, can I copy and paste an image? I can. <laughs> um, but there's a woman. There's a woman. And it's not like, you know, like she got punched in the face by her boyfriend or her husband or something. She's clearly oh, in a yeah, ring. Oh, yeah, that. Wow. Yeah. So She's looking that rough. That just seems, yeah, that just seems like a lot to watch on TV. Like, I, I honestly don't think I would, I would, I'm not, I don't watch like MMA or boxing or anything. But I think if this was on, I would like change the channel because I don't think I want to see people just like 
bleeding from their eye socket from being punched in the face repeatedly. Well, I mean, uh, you have to think that gloves were invented for a reason, like boxing gloves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're a safety feature. So, sure. Like at some point, people were like, "We got to start. We got to stop just fucking punching each other." There's got to be a better way. And then boxing gloves were were invented to, you know, I'm assuming kind of equalize the sport a little bit, like make it a little less dangerous. Um, But I don't know. She still looks kind of hot. <laughs> Does she look hotter because she's been punched in the face? <laughs> Not in a domestic abuse way, but like, you know, it, it's kind of sexy when a girl, girl can take a hit. Now the question becomes: I'm sure there's already some kind of underground for this, where this is happening anyway, mm-hmm. and something you know maybe you and I aren't familiar with. But much like legalizing marijuana, does this now like kind of take away the excitement of like the underground, like fighting competitions? If you can see it in an arena with with you know big lights and pay per views, and does this like take away from the yes. Donny Brook? It's going to be like uh, Kimbo Slice. Do you do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> The name sounds familiar, but no, I'm not not real familiar. I don't know exactly the story. Someone else is going to know better than me. He's dead now, I believe. But like, he started out as like a like a backyard, just punch the fuck out of people kind of fighter. Um, that went kind of legit at one point. Um, through I don't know UFC or something like that. But like, he was the kind of guy where. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen a picture of Kimbo Slice? I'm looking at a picture of a really mean-looking motherfucker <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just remember back in the early days of of um, when you could, you know, people were sharing videos through the internet and stuff like that, like early YouTube slash whatever. This guy was known for just like backyard brawl kind of like fights where he would just fuck people up um, because he was so big and, and strong and everything. And um, that's how he made his name. And I think at one point he went legit through some. Mm-hmm. He was definitely was an fighting. MMA, yeah. And in that, like, it was just like a whole different story. Like, he kind of lost a lot of his appeal because he just kind of went mainstream, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Not, I wasn't driving a Chrysler 300 back then, so I didn't pay as much attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I feel like that's the kind of thing, like he, he was like the baddest of badasses in this kind of backyard brawling kind of underground fighting. And then when he went legit, it kind of took away some of the, took some wind out of the sails a little bit. And I think he died. Wikipedia will probably tell he you. Is, he is dead. That is correct. I do recognize he only had like eight professional matches, it looks like. Yeah. I do actually recognize some of the guys that he beat, like Ken Shamrock, who wound up being a professional wrestler, I'm assuming after mm-hmm. this period. And then Tank Abbott, who was another really well-known MMA fighter. And I say that because if I know the name, they, they must have been pretty well-known because I don't, I don't <laughs> follow the sport. Right. It's like saying Michael Jordan. Like, you know, if I know a basketball yeah. player's name, there's a good chance they were super popular. Um, yeah, I just... It, it, it feels like a little bit of a, of a, a, a devolution, right? Like, like we, we should be moving forward as a society and bringing bare-knuckles fighting. <laughs> Seems like we're just taking a little bit of a step backwards. I mean, if you ask me, that's everything that's going on right now. Yeah. But 
Uh, and again, I don't have anything against that. I just, I, I personally don't want to see it. I mean, if people want to beat each other to death, I, who am I to fucking tell them not to, right? Like, I don't give a shit. But it, it was just, it was very shocking to see as a, as a headline over the course of the last couple of days. I'll, I will, I'll, I'll be candid. There, There's a part of me that feels like people just aren't tough anymore. So there's a little bit of an appeal to like people just like straight bare knuckle punching the shit out of each other. Uh, where it's like, oh, at least there's some tough people left in the world. Um, Look, I, I think about the guys on this podcast, uh, mainly me and you, and, and I think yeah. to myself, like, we are two of the least likely people to want to get into a fucking fist fight. That is very accurate. Yeah. So, yeah. Have I ever um, told you about how I really want to get punched in the face because it's never happened? No, I mean, <laughs> I think you just did. I don't know if there's more. <laughs> I'm you to elaborate, really but I, I think I pretty much got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we can arrange that somehow. I, I feel like I, I need to know if I can take a hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never, I've, I've successfully navigated my life in a way where I've never been in a physical altercation that didn't end when I threw someone across a fucking room. Um, and so no one's ever punched me in the face, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't, I, I, I would like to know what would I do? How, would, what would my reaction be in that situation? Um, I have been punched in the face a couple of times. <laughs> And uh, I got to be honest, it's probably less glamorous than you think. Well, no, I'm not thinking it's going to be like a walk in the park, (laughs) but it's like, it's more how, what, am I going to be able to get up or am I going to get like knocked, knocked out? Like, you know what I'm saying? No. I, so I, again, limited experience. You know, you're not going to get knocked out. You're going to come back at whoever it is. Now it depends. Is it some bare knuckles fighting guy from fucking Wyoming? Is it, you know, a professional boxer Mm. hitting you? Yeah. I mean, the average guy you're likely to run into and get into a fight with, he's going to punch you and you're going to punch back or pick him up and body slam him or, or whatever. You'll, I think you'll be just fine. Okay. So there I'm you not go. In a hurry. I'm not like, I would say, hopefully I've cured you of that desire. Some fucking reading Craigslist Craigslist later. It's like, <laughs> like Zerk man looking for someone to punch him in the face. We'll pay $25. Misconnection. Your fist, my face. Yeah. Oh my god! No, yeah, I, so. I mean, I would just like to know, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like Fight Club provoking people. This might be good timing for the Donnie Brook movie, though. You know, it's like a, a an interest hey, that yeah. arises. It could be one of the first like movies to screen to feature, like you know. So, did you happen to notice? Um, Frank Bill recently on Facebook posted a link to a a like a morning. TV show interview that he did about Donnie Brook. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, so Frank Bill, author of Donnie Brook, um, in, in the lead up to, I guess Donnie Brook has won some awards and and done pretty well at festivals and stuff like that. It's getting a, I want to say spring 2019 release. Is that correct? Uh, I got picked up by IFC Films, and I believe it's doing a theatrical release like early or mid spring. Uh, anyway, he he was on um, like a local, I think Kentucky. Um, like a morning television show getting interviewed about Donnie Brook. And I, I could not help but watch that as someone who interviews people. And Frank carried himself amazingly well. He did a great job in the interview. But the woman who was interviewing him was really lobbing like the softest of softballs. And it was really awkward to like hear her ask questions because it's obvious like it was obvious she did not give any fucks about what was going on. She just knew she had to ask these questions. 
And so I felt bad for Frank because it's like, man, just give him someone who's like enthusiastic about the thing he's doing. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, you know, this is me getting on my high horse, right? Like, like we have the luxury of picking who we interview. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah, like we true. do, right? So we don't like just interview people we're not interested in. And we've never to this day interviewed somebody who we haven't at least read some of their work in some cases it might have just been a short story or two but at least we had some basis for now think about being on a morning radio show or or like you know good morning america whatever some kind of thing where five days a week they're just throwing people at you to interview you're probably not writing your own questions um you don't have time to like read donny brook uh the woman like you said probably didn't even see the trailer like, you know what I mean? So it's got to be a little tougher to, to maintain like a high level of like remember when we had Frank Bill on you and I were super stoked, right? Like we had read Donnie Brook. It's a great book. And like we have questions, yep. <laughs> but we only had questions because we read the book. If we just do author interviews because an author emailed and said, hey, I'd like to be on your show, which happens, you know, authors and or their publicists or whatever. Ah, like, all right. So here's what I know about you. I know your name. Saw your Wikipedia entry, and uh, I read the dust jacket for your book. Tell us a little bit about, you know, this. Like, <laughs> we've had, yeah. and this is not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think about some of the great conversations we've had um, with people. It was all based around their work. Like, David Duchovny, you know, our Holy big shit. interview for, yeah. for this past year, right? Like, I, he had to answer questions about stuff that I guarantee you nobody else has asked because even when he's on the bigger shows, they go, Oh, you've got a new book out. Um, tell us about uh, the revival of the X-Files. Yeah. And what made you decide to write a book? Yep. Uh, that's it. But you know, we spend a little time delving into it so we can ask some, some hopefully uh, more intriguing questions, a little more probing questions than the stuff that somebody does that doesn't have to be familiar with your work. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, and I guess, yes, that is the nature of the beast for like that type of show. Um, and I guess credit to Frank Bill, because what he did was he really sucked to his guns of, of explaining, um, like the nitty gritty of stuff. And he didn't shy away from talking about things that probably wouldn't, you know, usually be talked about on television and stuff. So, uh, yeah, he, he did a great job of representing what the, what the book was about and what the the movie was bringing to people, but, oh, the shallow questions were just like killing me. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you would feel the same way, but like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I have to do give the benefit, benefit of the doubt where, uh, God damn it. If someone was just like, Hey Rob, you have to talk to this person. And here's like the blurb blurbs and, and like the synopsis of their book. Yeah. It would be rough. February 15th, 2019 is the um, scheduled release date currently for Donnybrook. Pretty sure Rob and I will be on a, in a theater that night or the night after catching, uh, yeah. catching that. It's, it's, like, not that I ever doubted that it was going to be a good movie, but like the, it, 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 you know, it makes you feel good to, to hear the accolades the movie is getting. Like people mm-hmm. are, are recognizing it and giving it good praise and stuff like that. Um, Frank deserves a good adaptation. Yep. Lots of movies we're excited about uh, coming up. Um, Bird Box. Oh my god! Bird Box. Yeah, like less than a month away from Bird Box. Oh, I can't wait! I yeah. cannot wait. That's going to be so nice. Yeah, and being able to view it in the comfort of your own home too. Netflix. So. 
We're not gonna. Oh, are we gonna Netflix it up together? Are I don't. I don't snuggle no. up with some popcorn and. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I don't think Bird Box is getting a release anywhere nearby for us to go see it in the theater. That's the rough thing about like uh, releases like that. Well, I mean, a it's great that it's getting a theatrical release because um, when you're picked up by Netflix, that's not a guarantee, right? So, um. That's good, but like then you have to like hunt for. I know I would go into the city to see Bird Box on the big screen. I know it's a much bigger ask for for you to do the same hmm. thing. Um, do we even know? Is it playing anywhere? I haven't looked to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm know. I'm just assuming um, it's on every theater in the world. No, I, that other movie that they did, the name escapes me right now. There's, uh, there were three movies they were releasing, and the only reason was so they could be Oscar-nominated movies because the Oscars don't oh, cover like direct, yeah. direct a video or direct a Netflix or whatever. So I think, I, I think what they're doing is they're going, hey, we're gonna put this in ten theaters for a weekend so that we can qualify. Not like we're gonna put it right. out wide for people to see. I think it's more of a. And now, if those theaters get packed and they sell enough tickets and Netflix can make more money, then guess what's going to happen? More and more of their movies will, if they can actually make it profitable doing it that way. Yeah. Um, but by and large, I think it's more of a token um, just to be able just to, to be... qualify for, for those types yep. of award. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a weird. All right. So and Netflix is really kind of muddying the waters of shit right now because like they just had that Ballad of Buster Scruggs release which mm-hmm. was a coen brothers i don't even know if you could call it a film do you know anything about it not i just know that was one of the other movies they were releasing and then that roma was the third one. Oh, yeah that, that they were putting in limited theatrical release did that hit home for you <laughs> no not okay. at all all right not at all <laughs> um ballad of buster scruggs i did not know that that was getting any theatrical release um it is a coen brothers film and i say that because it's six parts that are entirely different stories so it's anthological but all within one two hour 15 minute kind of like chunk gotcha i don't know if you're aware of that but um i was not no yeah so it's like um and even kind of the 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 vignette they do between stories between like the little like short films is like a book that like you know you're flipping pages through the book to get to the next story that mm-hmm. type of thing so it's like literally a story collection that they're flipping through as the kind of animation in between one story and the next and so it's weird because it's like two hours and 15 minutes long there's six different pieces and none of them connect to the other stories at all so it's like literally six separate stories grouped together in one continuous un 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 uh, broken like watching experience it's it's very strange hmm i don't know that uh that i'm gonna watch that i've not seen i so the coen brothers typically have not done stuff that i've been very interested in as i'm sure you already know and then that doesn't do any you know that that particular description doesn't do a lot for me um but i mean they got the coen brothers and i I quite honestly believe that then a name like that netflix would be like do whatever you want we don't care you want to do a 12 minute movie like we'll we'll do that you want to do weird anthology shit like that's cool you want to do a romantic comedy horror movie yeah coen brothers do whatever the fuck they want yeah that's yeah that's pretty much where they're at and that's it's like no one else would have been able to tarantino could have done it maybe you know Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing 
but it's like uh, I would call Cohen's A listers, right? Mm-hmm. As far as oh, like, for sure, the, dire- yeah. writer yeah. directors go. I, I don't um, know what their cred is like, how they've held up, but I know that something like ten years ago they were they were the big dogs. So, yeah. so like it, it's just a really weird proposition, and I don't think anybody that's going into it is set, like necessarily knows that it's kind of built anthologically. So it's just mm-hmm. a really weird. Um, and it opens with the ballad of Buster Scruggs, like the whole, like the first story is the Buster Scruggs story. Mm-hmm. So it's not until you get to that like page animation thing again, where you're like, oh wait, oh there mm-hmm. there's something different. So it, it, it's a really weird. So the fact that that you're telling me that this is something that's getting theatrical release is even weirder for me because like yeah. this is definitely a Netflix thing through and so- through. So, yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, I mean, it almost has to be, right? Because I don't know. Like, and people will watch anything on Netflix because it's just on Netflix, right? There's no cost. Right. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, you just pop it on. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so here's the releases. It, they were released. So this is the same for Buster Scruggs and will be the same for Bird Box. Limited releases in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, and London. So the big cities, yeah. Yeah, so those that's where they're getting released, and, and I'm I'm thinking that's probably like one theater in each city, just enough to, you know, just enough to qualify. So no chance for us seeing um, Bird Box because well, I'm not traveling to L.A., San Francisco, New York, and London. It's a little short notice. So, but I would totally go to London again. I, I just not <laughs> not not in two weeks. Not until 2020 when we do the fucking Stoker Con. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's really what they're doing. So yeah, you could put out of your mind seeing any of the limited Netflix releases unless you live in one of those four cities. That's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. But well, definitely I, I Netflix, December twenty so first. Just... December twenty first, first day of winter, um Bird Box will be available on Netflix. I was really happy for Josh Mallerman when he was posting all of like the premiere stuff that he went to and stuff. Um it, it's nice to see we, you and I over the years have talked to so many authors who have had a book optioned that's been maybe adapted, maybe not, and stuff. It was nice to see an author actually experience the moment of, like, you know, final realization of, like, the the movie version of a story and, um, you know, talking to the actors who were involved and stuff like that. So it was neat. It was unique. We haven't really seen that too much. So, like, seeing his social media kind of progress of, of meeting the actors and being at the premiere and coming home with cute little souvenirs and stuff was, was satisfying. It was like a new thing we haven't seen before. Well, and it's cool. And, and I don't know, like, I don't know if everybody has the option to do that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like how tied in you are to the project, <laughs> you get invited yeah. Do, do they just fly out? Like, they just assume you're coming? So they're like, hey, we sent you tickets, and you get a hotel room for a couple of nights. We want you to come to this party or whatever. Or do you have to, like, hoof it? <laughs> like, right. thumb it. To, Is it to, on your own time? Like, yeah. So, um, but it's nice to see that he was involved. And, yeah, super excited. I mean, that's a guy who we had on with his first um, with his first book. Um, much like uh, much like Frank Bill, somebody we've been aware of since the beginning of their career. Um, although I'd love to have Stephen King on, you know, I can't be really excited for him when one of his books gets made into a movie, right? But I can be excited for guys that, yeah, you know, we were there at the beginning of their career. So yep. yeah, yeah, it's it's very nice. While we're talking about nice guys, Les Edgerton, man, I, I guess I didn't know oh, he yeah. was working on a memoir, but Adrenaline Junkie. 
um, a memoir uh, from Les Edgerton is uh, is really exciting. I, I think I don't know that we'll do that for the podcast. I don't know how well a memoir would read, but it's definitely something that's going to be on my reading list. Yeah, that guy. All right, so we haven't I, I, we've talked about Les a handful of times. Like we've reviewed a couple of his books, and like you know he's come up with live readings and stuff like that. But like I don't know if I've really quantified like the 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 love that I have for that dude. He is just like. Um, for for the, especially for the type of content that he writes and stuff like that he is he's one of those guys where um once you're kind of in his circle he'll go like beyond the extra mile for you and 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 he's always been so nice to us so i've always wanted to see him just like succeed as much as possible and and and, and so my my impression i guess where i'm going with this is my impression of the dude is like he is just this like sweet little nice dude but I, I understand he's had kind of a rough past. So <laughs> I will I will read to you from the blurb <laughs> by John Bassoff, another friend of this podcast, <laughs> filled with stories of knifings, armed robberies, brutal prison fights, and Charles Manson. <laughs> Edgerton proves that life can be stranger and certainly more violent than fiction. And that's what I'm so excited about. I want to know the guy because he, 40 years ago, would have been the guy that punched me in the face that I want so badly. I am pretty sure that I can still arrange for Les Edgerton to punch you in the face. I kind of almost want that to happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we should. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do we want to do? Do we want to do a memoir of someone we kind of know on the podcast? It would be the second time. That's true. Well, but I feel like we know Les Edgerton a little bit better than the first time around. All right. So Rob and I did some talking <laughs> off the podcast. Um, we are going to be reviewing sometime in December. We're not committing to a date yet because we're working through something right now. Um, Adrenaline Junkie from Les Edgerton. Who knows? Les is an interesting guy. Maybe we'll get him on for a little bit to talk about his book. I really want to know how Charles Manson is going to factor into all of this. I am. Uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And then, like I said, maybe we'll see. We've never had Les on the podcast. He's done um, live reading. Yes. In Indianapolis. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But not. Uh, Downtown Indiana. Yeah, downtown Indiana, he was there, but uh, not on the not on the podcast. So maybe maybe we'll see if we can put that together for you guys in December. No promises. Hey, I'm super excited about it. Like, this is something I didn't know about. I mean, I knew that he had a, a, a memoir. I, I didn't think it was on our radar for, for potential interaction with it. So I, I am super excited right now. Probably excited to hear about Charles Manson is what it is. I, there was like a part, there was a time in my life where I was super fascinated by the whole Manson. I'll tell you what it was. And this, this is, do you know who Vincent Bugliosi is? No, I do not. So Vincent Bugliosi is the name of the guy who was the prosecutor in the Charles Manson case with the uh, Tate LaBianca murders and all that kind of okay. stuff. And, um, he has written several books, uh, one of them being called, uh, I think it was called Helter Skelter, and it was like the true crime book about like the the Manson family murders and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom actually put me onto this book because of how like clever and, and um, like thorough of a prosecutor uh, Bugliosi is. Like the dude uh, wrote it, into, it was like 500 page book about the entire process of the Manson killings and the, and the trial and the, and the outcome of it and everything like that. And it was so fucking well-written that she's like, you have to read this. And I'm like a teenager. And my mom's trying to get me to read about fucking slayings and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, of course. And um, so that's how I was kind of introduced to like the whole Manson family thing 
Um, but it is kind of, I don't know. There's something weirdly fascinating about, cause like there's, it's not all, it's not often that like, there's a, like a, a kind of a pop culture, like cult slaying kind of thing. Yeah, no, you're right. That's not often at all. Doesn't happen a lot. So mm-hmm. it's a very unique kind of yeah. marker in our history. And so, um, I read that book and then kind of watched some supplemental things about it and stuff like that. Um, so I know, I know a decent amount about that whole, that whole thing, but it was all started because Vincent Bucliosi is a fucking badass prosecutor. There you go. I mean, I'm familiar with the, the generalities of the, of the murder. I've never, you know, really looked Wait. into it. I think I watched like a 2020 special or something many years ago. Um, that was a great, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was a great special. You didn't watch the Aquarius TV show with our best friend, David Duchovny? I did not. It was actually pretty good. Is it? Yeah, Although the like person that they chose for Charles Manson was kind of garbage. So, <laughs> But David right. Duchovny fucking killed it. I uh, I wasn't sure how to, like, like that seeing him in that role. You know, I, guess I saw the, the you know, commercials for it and stuff on TV. But, yeah, maybe I'll go back and watch it. I don't know. He, we'll see. Maybe. He Duchovny's it. I'm going to say that maybe I'll uh, maybe my uh, Manson curiosity will be piqued by reading adrenaline junkie. So, <laughs> or it's like a passing mention, like, like a half of a paragraph. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that one time I bumped into a guy, turns out he was Charles Manson. Um, <laughs> all right. Enough with the books. Jesus Christ. You think this is some kind of book podcast? Jesus, yeah. I just found out tonight pre recording this podcast or before recording this podcast. Um, that Warrant and Slaughter <laughs> are going to be playing in like two weeks, like 10 miles from where I live, 15 miles. I don't know, whatever. Very close. I'm super excited about this, Rob. Now, have you ever seen Warrant in concert? Oh, my God, no. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you my twice, twice I've seen Warrant in concert. And I may have shared this on the podcast previously. The first time was in their heyday. It was on the Cherry Pie Tour. It would have been 1990-ish, oh, right? I saw him and, you know, I was like, oh, I kind of like Warrant, but it was at that time where I was going to like every concert that, mm-hmm. that I could, you know, go to. Makes sense. So wait out overnight for tickets. I get fourth row tickets. I like six of us go. Right. And I realized during the show that I really like I, I knew every song. Like I thought like, oh, I, I like Warrant. But seeing them live made me realize how much of their stuff I knew and really liked. So I became a much bigger fan afterwards, just like the realization. They were phenomenal because that was a band that was on their second tour. And they handled themselves wonderfully. They Like, I'd hmm. seen the Scorpions and ACDC, and these guys performed like they did. They had, like, a stage presence that was... Um, unexpected for how young a band they were. So that was my exposure to seeing Warrant, which incidentally slaughter opened for Warrant when I saw them <laughs> like around 1990. <laughs> okay. It was Warrant, slaughter and trickster. If I remember correctly, um, then fast forward to, I think 2007, maybe. And oh, no. Warrant is playing nearby, like the best um, Buy grand opening or something near. <laughs> no, What's um what's that place the the fuel room? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. That Austin's um restaurant and bar in Libertyville Mm-mm. opened a separate facility behind it. They called the Fuel Room because Fuel was the first band to play there or something. Oh, uh, yeah, so, a dubious yeah. honor. 
Yeah. So um, they're playing there and tickets are like 15 bucks and whatever. It's right down. Yeah, not right, right down the street. But it's 15, 20 minute drive. So we go see them there. And I knew that J- Janie Lane wasn't with the band at the time, the, the front man for Warrant, which is tough. Like you could replace a guitarist. Yeah. You could replace a drummer when you have to replace the singer. Pretty obvious. Typically yeah. It's not not great. Yeah. But what happens is these four guys come on stage and they're mature versions of the guy from guys from Warrant. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't all have long hair anymore, but they look like adult and they start playing. Right. And this fucking clown. Now, not a literal clown, a figurative clown (laughs) comes out on stage. He's wearing like spandex pants with like fishnets over the pants and like a fucking like multicolored bandana on his head and. You know, I mean, something that, that that was right out of like a 1984 Motley Crue yeah. video. And he comes out there and, and he's the guy who's, you know, just yelling things like, come on, who wants to rock like the whole time and, and really took it down. Like the rest of them were all very professional, talented musicians. And this guy was like a joke of a front man. <laughs> so it was a it was a huge letdown. Right. So like he'd been practicing that moment in his mom's basement oh, for like decades. God. Yeah, it was. It was so it was like a mockery of warrant. Like if you went and say if, if I said, hey, there's this band um, Steel Panther. Do you know who Steel Panther is? Yeah. Aren't they like the modern kind of like homage to like that yes. kind of hair metal? Yes. If you ever yeah. watch one of their videos, it's like if you took the lead singer Steel Panther and then had him play a show with a very serious warrant. You know, like so, like a mature but very serious, you know, talented yeah. band. And yet a guy out there that was basically. Um, a caricature of an '80s hair hair band frontman, so that was a little disappointing. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of thinking I want to go see this show, man. It's nearby. There, uh, I've seen two of the three bands um, that are playing there. So it's and, Warrant and Slaughter, and who else? Uh, man, I closed my tab. Um, give me a second, though. Oh, it doesn't it's, matter if you didn't. Recognize no, it. no, but I'm I'm trying. It's um, it's the spinoff band from guy from Dokken left. I'm trying See, to think I, of like a slaughter song that would even register in my mind. Oh, fly, uh, uh, fly to the angels would probably be the one. Uh, all right, I'm going to go on Apple Music and see what it gives me. <laughs> slaughter Essentials is in our future. Oh my god! All right, I gotta see. I gotta. I gotta hear the list of songs you might recognize from Slaughter. Oh, Fly to the Angels is the first one. Yeah, Up uh, All Night would be the other real popular um, one. They don't even merit an essentials playlist. So up all night, um, spend my life. Oh, such good songs. Burning bridges, days gone by, the wildlife, real love. This doesn't none of it. I have to like fly to the angels. I don't know if it sounds familiar at all. Wait, is this right? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to sing along with it. So. Let's get to the meat of it. <laughs> oh, I know this song. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that song. Dude, there are in the orchestra pit, there are <laughs> seats available in row B. Oh, dude, you have to do this. I almost. Oh, there are front row seats. Hold on. There are dude. actual front row seats available for 60 bucks. Do it right now. I think I have to do this. I think I have to do this. I'm peer pressuring you to go see a fucking slaughter 
and warrant show and lynch mob george lynch was in the band dockin and then that was like his like little side project lynch mob so not like a lynch mob like the ice cube <laughs> no no it's like four fat white guys i'm sure at this point so so an actual lynch mob is very nice Ugh. very Ugh. very nice all I right. even felt bad saying that. Um, but that did. So I saw that on Facebook. It was like, you know, so-and-so, you know, is interested in an event kind of thing. So when I clicked on the link, it showed me other relevant events. <laughs> oh, here we go. Kip Winger, man. Kip Winger's on tour. Kip Winger of Winger fame. Of Winger? Yes. Now, all right. Winger. So the band was named after that dude? Yeah. Yep. I just thought it was a really, like, poorly chosen band name. Like, that. that... No. Now, yeah. Um, now Kip has gone on to do things since Winger. Um, he was actually Grammy nominated. I feel like maybe we talked about this on the podcast recently, um, not recently, but at some point. But God damn it, fucking <laughs> Winger pops up as an Emmy nomination, and you're like, well, what is happening? It, it this was in shit, 20, yeah. 2017. Um, I'm uploading a picture to you of, of a current picture of Winger because <laughs> this is like the best, like, like a. Uh, author like photo um classical music he bought that jacket 30 years ago yeah 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 he's been wearing it ever since every author every band uh (laughs) whatever photo insert cd insert photo that's yeah but yeah he's uh he was nominated for a classical uh composition nomination for winger conversations with nijinsky that's interesting yeah he, he moved true, from true musician hair, right there. Yeah, from hair band to classical musician. So he's doing some unplugged thing. It wasn't anywhere nearby, but I mean, what else do you recommend when someone just looked at Warrant and Slaughter, right? Like, what can you show them? You can show them wingers playing like four states over, and they might be able, they might want to go see see him. Now, are you familiar with winger songs? I well, there's the one, and I was going to bring this up because it was the she's only seventeen, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now. Uh, that that's kind of indicative of like a time that's passed where I th- I think that it was is <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it was pretty common for, uh, for like <laughs> like popular dude, musicians. Dude, you sound you <laughs> you're like you're like a pedophile apologist right now. Like no like no was, no was, oh my god no not at all. <laughs> Um, I, I the exact opposite. I just think it's really weird that like there was such a period of time where uh, singers could get away with just like blatantly talking about like wanting to fuck teenage girls. Which um, I'm guessing that's what this song is about. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there was that. I know Kiss had a song that was something similar to that it's not coming to me right now. I was wrong, dude. He's November 30th. We can go see Winger on Friday night in St. Charles. Oh, how far away is St. Charles? It seems... Um, so, like, near Elgin? Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, no, like, like, well, from you, it's probably, like, 25 minutes. So, so I made the mistake... <laughs> I made the mistake of searching for She's Only 17. <laughs> uh, Winger... <laughs> Apparently, this song is just called 17, but there is a uh, porn hub... Uh, uh, she's only 17 so I'm not going to click on that I feel like if I click on that then like someone kicks the front door in 
Dude, you just search oh for God. winger and you go on a list. Like, <laughs> I, but do you, we're oh gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go see winger this Friday night, and there's gonna be like the FBI agents <laughs> in the car down the street just taking photos of everybody that goes in, like at a mob funeral. <laughs> oh, half the cars in the parking lot are just like Ford, like Crown Victorias, or like yeah, so, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Like, there's so many photographers here. Wow. <laughs> Paparazzi out in force yep. tonight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Also, I'm on a list. Jesus. Oh, I, you know, uh, dude, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there was a lot of... Oh, no, no, I do. Like, Led Zeppelin. Like, every band, it seems like, at some point was talking about hooking up with... Or they actually, at some point, did hook up with, like, a 14-year-old girl. And it's really fucked up. I'm trying to, man, I just searched one of those things that's going to get me on, on a fucking list. I wrote Kiss Young Girl Song, because I couldn't think of <laughs> what the fuck the name There's a Kiss Song, right? I mean, somebody is screaming at their fucking, um, at their fucking iPhone right now. Like, it's this song, motherfucker. Um, I don't, uh, now I feel like I have to take time out and find what this goddamn Kiss Song is. You know is. what we need to do? We need to do an entire episode about pedophile rock stars pedophile rock stars that's all of them i think uh yeah um, fire bath forever shout out strutter hard look woman god damn it i know there's a song christine 16 so let me take that clean so you can take out all of me mumbling dude it's i found it it's christine <laughs> 16 uh, it's just Kiss. the name of it good god all right well hold on because i have lyrics She's got me dizzy. She sees me through to the end. She's got me in her hands, and there's no use in pretending. Christine 16, Christine 16. Uh, here's, uh. here's another lyric, and I think this was this was actually more spoken than, than like a lyric. I don't usually say things like this to girls your age, but when I saw you coming out of school that day, that day I knew Christine 16. I've got to oh. have you. I've got to have you. Oh, this gets worse, dude. Holy shit. Like, in my head, I can hear the lyrics, right? From from being a Kiss fan when I was yeah. a youngster, right? She's been around, but she's young and clean. I've got to have her. Can't live without her. Whoa, no. Christine, 16. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Winger, not as bad. No, no, uh, no. She's mm-hmm. only 17. Daddy says she's too young. Good job, Dad. But she's old uh, but enough she's for old. me. <laughs> See, I don't even have to read the lyrics. I know the goddamn come, lyrics. Come to my place. We can talk it over. Oh, everything going down in your head. She said, take it easy. I need some time. Time to work it out to make you mine. And just when I thought she was coming to my door, she whispered sweet and brought me to the floor. I, uh. Oh, and that's the whole thing is the song is she says, I'm only 17, right? Yeah, I'm only 17, but I'll show you love like you've never seen. Yeah. Ooh. Now, to be fair, we do live in a state where 17 is the age of consent. <laughs> Creepy or not. I it's mean, not actually you... illegal like fucking Kiss, Paul Stanley singing about 16-year-olds. 16-year-old. Yeah, I can't I yeah. can't imagine that there's a place where 16 is the age. All right, let me, uh, <laughs> let me muddy up my, my, uh, my history there here. There goes the Google search right there. Yeah. The, uh, I, the FBI I agents at the Winger concert are going to be like, oh, this is that Livius guy. He's been doing a lot of searching lately. Holy shit, well, there are 31 states where the age of consent is 16, according you... to Wikipedia. Which, that... I, I know you're not a mathematician, 
but that is uh that's more than half the country yeah that's yeah so i I guess my question and this is just me having never tried to tried to hook up with a 16 year old outside of my teens Mm -hmm. is there like in my mind there has to be some like you can have sex with a 16 year old if you're like 18 you know like like an age limit on that like some 40 year old dude can't just like be like hey what's up 16 year old that can't that can't be the case so uh yeah i pulled this up on wikipedia um there are some weird we should give them three dollars well yeah we probably should um so okay like hawaii just because it's like two steps above illinois in the list the age of consent is 16 there is however a close in age exemption which allows those age 14 and 15 to Whoa. consent to sex with those less than five years older. So essentially, like an 18, kind of what you said, but like an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old, a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old. <sighs> but but it's 16 if you're 40, as you had said. So Not good, yeah. Oh, oh wait. At 16, if you're 40, that's cool? Yeah, that's fine in Hawaii. Oh, that's so strange to me. Well, I and like I yeah, so um in Illinois it is 17 and rises to 18 with someone who has a position of authority or trust over the victim. Oh wait, so if I'm someone's boss, they have to be 18. They have to be 18 for me to have sex with them. Correct. Yes. Oh my god. That seems weird too. Yeah. Um there is so Indiana also has a close in approximation Close in age exception, kind of the same thing. 14 and 15 can consent to have a partner who is less than 18 years old. So 17. Yeah. Um, it looks like, I mean, there's a lot of, some of them have, Jesus Christ, I don't even want to read some of these on, on, on the podcast, but some of them have like like several bullet points. That You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it seems oh. like if you're, like, you should just stay away from that because there's some, some, uh, some pylons to navigate to like make sure that it's you know but maryland is 16 um it looks like i guess 16 wow. is the the lowest just as i'm scrolling through Thank um so nice. can i tell you that i have not yet seen one that's 18 wait every i thought you said 31 states were 17 right but i'm saying i have not seen one oh that's my god 18. everybody There's else is 16? 16 i i'm it's hard because it's not like a list okay north yeah. dakota is 18 Good job, um, North Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota is 18. <laughs> um, Oregon is 18. <laughs> but yeah, most of them are 16 and then have like, you know, like qualifications. So I, I'd like to see an updated winger song where it's she's only 17. But according to all of these states and then list them all. Yeah, yeah. She's old enough for me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, let me oh see if God. I can find out how many are 18. <laughs> It doesn't sound like a lot. No, it doesn't. That's weird, dude. Because I assumed it was 18 and that anything else was an anomaly. Uh, yeah. Well, that's. I think that's the common thing is, like, everybody just thinks, like, this is a really weird road to be going down. But, um. Oh, it's, it's yeah. I think like we NAMBLA, all just, we just our, our, our NAMBLA um, listenership oh, just went up 30%. I think we all just assume, like, 18 is the legal age of consent because that just makes sense in everybody's mind. But, like, you know, I, I never think about oh, it. I'm going to read you the most disturbing thing, and then we should probably move on. <laughs> the federal law establishes the age of 12 as the minimum age of consent, while the age at which there are no restrictions for consensual sexual activities is 18. 
All right. I think we're going to put an end to that chapter of this podcast. And <sighs> yeah. I could not easily find how many states it's 18. That's... That didn't pop up like the, the you know. Like, look, I'm no prude. I get it. People want to hook up and stuff like that. But, like, I'm just a little surprised by the Wikipedia research that we have done tonight. <laughs> That's what's surprising. Thanks, Winger. <laughs> Les Edgerton was hanging out with Charles Manson. Winger is conservative in hooking Winger. up with 17-year-olds. Winger was well within his rights. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> nothing weird about that. <laughs> Maybe oh, I'm just a God. little too, uh, you know, old-fashioned. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing. I'm 40 now, and I'm old-fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I just want to legislate, like, whatever age I lost my virginity at, like, has to be... I'm just kidding. <laughs> 24 is the age of consent. <laughs> We're not going to reveal that number, but it's it in didn't line happen. With... It didn't happen earlier because he didn't want to break the law. So, at any rate, that uh, that wraps it up. I think Holy that wow, should yeah. fucking wrap it up for this um, interlude Sweet episode. Jesus, yeah, yeah. If that last segment didn't uh, didn't <laughs> tell us that we should probably never do interludes again, I don't know what will. Um, come back <laughs> next week. Uh, I'm very hesitant at mentioning what next week might be. Um, because we're not sure if we're on track or not, so could be could be more. We could be doing the Age of Consent tour again here on. Uh, <laughs> oh God, whoops. Kip Winger is going to be our our interview next week. Yeah, um, and then we're going to look at uh, Age of Consent laws in South America oh as we God. break it down as we break it down for you um, here on the podcast. <sighs> Anything else you want to add before we? Uh, uh, we not, no, not at all. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Please just keep reading. <laughs>